podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Joanne, for this invitation. Really happy to be here. It's, it's a real pleasure. I know that you probably, if I don't know whether you remember, you were one of the first, very first people I asked to appear on the podcast yes. way, way, way <laughs> back when. And life got in the way. I know you're a new mum again. And exactly. congratulations, Thank by the you. way. So I'm really happy you made time for us today. Happy so, to be here. Thank you. So Pascal, you're, you're a bit of an AML CFT expert. How did that career path come about for you? What I can say is that I didn't specifically choose that path. Okay. And instead, I would say that AML CFT compliance... Chose you. Yeah, yeah. Was somehow presented to me. So let me explain. So, you know, over the years, I've gathered a solid background and experience in funds mm-hmm. and financial services. So mostly in legal, regulatory compliance and EML, CFT compliance. And in my view, from my experience, funds and financial services cannot really survive without EML, CFT compliance. Mm. So when Mauritius was placed on the grey list of FETF and the EU blacklist, so this created a boost in the demand for compliance professionals and consultants on the Mauritian market. Mm -hmm. So that's when I decided to position myself and I set up PL Consulting in January 2021 to embark on this journey. So I've since conducted a few independent audits on AML CFT. I also accompany fund managers and investment managers to guide their boards and their compliance team and laying the right AML CFT foundation. I also deliver AML CFT trainings and you know we do all sorts of other consultancy work in the compliance field. So finally, what I can say is, you know, that AML CFT compliance was what allowed me to kick off my journey as an entrepreneur. Do you get a lot of, because I always wonder, because obviously as a law firm, we have to comply with all these rules and regulations. Do you sometimes, particularly in the fund industry, get a bit of pushback from clients because they just want to do business? (laughs) Yes. In fact, you know, in in this industry, you know, when usually you voice out either you know areas of non-compliance or when you need to abide by the law the regulatory framework be it in terms of KYC CDD or risk assessment mm-hmm. there is some pushback usually from the board members yeah. um, if I may say it <laughs> <laughs> and you know I would like to also say hats off to to all the compliance officers out there because it's a very tedious work the workload is tremendous and we know the pressure associated with that function. Dare I say, it's, sometimes it can be a thankless job as well, because, you know, when you're, <laughs> you know, you're telling the business, no, you can't onboard that client, and they, they, don't, they don't understand They don't why. understand, yeah. Usually that's what happens. But now with Mauritius uh, having been on the blacklist and the grey list of the FATF, I think it was a lesson for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yes, there, there is that, I would say, reluctancy in the board accepting the compliance officer always coming to them and saying, you know, we need to comply with this one, this client, we need to do EDD, etc. Or, you know, please onboard this client because, you know, I know him for a very long time, etc. No, we need to, we've seen that risk assessment is what has made the difference Mm -hmm. now, you know, during the past two years in the implementation of the framework by the FSE through their on-site inspections as well. Because we were, I would say, as compliance officers, professionals at the time, we were 
usually abiding only by the letter of the law mm -hmm. and by doing KYC CDD. Sure. So risk assessment was done, but not mm -hmm. on a very large okay. scale, yes, yes. not on a regular basis as well. Now we've seen that there are so many factors, so many factors to take into consideration when onboarding a client, when doing a risk assessment either on the country or on the individual himself, etc., his profession. We need to know the person. Who is he, where is he from, etc., what is his source of funds, etc. So I think there is a change in the mentality in the approach itself to compliance now. Would you say that we're now in a position where, I don't think it probably used to be the case before we went on the list, do you think that we have developed a sort of risk culture now? Yes, uh, yeah, uh, I would say that generally speaking and um, maybe specifically in the funds and financial services industry, that we are uh, at a very early, early stage in the risk management culture in Mauritius. In my view, maybe I can put a caveat here for the banking and insurance sectors, which in my view, I did not have you know, the option but to develop that culture and sustain that culture further to the 2008 financial crisis. So yes, Joan, I think a robust risk culture is achieved when an entity has put in place a robust risk governance structure and has also set clear risk appetite. Mm -hmm. But I think most importantly, it's important for the staff to get acquainted and to be able to apply that risk management framework in the whole organization. Mm -hmm. So I think where is this blocking? In my view, the example needs to come from the top. The board and senior management, from my ex experience, uh, need to ensure that uh, the organization implements a robust uh, risk management framework mm -hmm. with proper implementation, effective and, 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 and efficient implementation and testing as well. But I think beyond that, and we were discussing that earlier, I think that the board should also encourage reporting on areas of non-compliance because not only on AML-CFT, maybe there could be reporting on an operational risk or illegal or even a reputational risk for the organization. So I think it's important for, for, for staff to be able to, to, to get used to that kind of reporting back to higher management. And also they need to feel comfortable and at ease to do it. So I think that would also level up the risk management uh, culture in an organization. Let's say, for example, in a small organization, it's not just a question of the risk, the buck stops with the compliance officer and the MLRO. What you're saying is that it needs to be developed across the board. Every single staff needs to realize that they, they have certain obligations with exactly. respect to risk. Yeah, I think when you know, when the staff firstly knows what the business is about, so what do we do? What is the risk appetite? What, what can we do? What uh, do we not accept? So I think then they, would be, they will be able, uh, more in a position, to report on those maybe you know, failures at, a, at an operational level or even you know, tomorrow if a deal is, is concluded without proper legal agreement, there might be you know, a legal risk for the organization or risk of dispute, etc. So I think that would enable an organization to develop that risk culture, 
So yes, to answer your question, I think it goes beyond the EML-CFT. And now that we're finally off yeah. the, the dreaded blacklist, that was a very painful couple of years, do you think the worst is over or actually this is just the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question, Joanne, because you know we were all impacted by that, uh, by that news. You know, I, I remain very confident in the offshore industry in Mauritius. I think for so long as Mauritius maintains its commitment mm -hmm. to continue working with the Eastern and Southern Africa anti-money laundering group to con continuously enhance its AML CFT system, mm -hmm. we would be on, you know, on the safe side, I would say. And not only that, I think that it was an eye-opener for the whole industry. The FSE and the professionals in the sector, we have realized that we, we, can't, we can no longer remain in our comfort zone, you know. Ongoing training and ongoing enhancement of skills need to be the norm. Mm. You know, the regulator, be it the FSE or the FIU, they need to continue with their on-site and off-site inspections. But we see it, we see that happening on a in, recurrent in basis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, and you know, that episode has also led clients in the offshore industry to get acquainted and to accept <laughs> our requirements for KYC, CDD. Mm. Yeah, so it was an eye-opener for, for all of us. And, you know, I think, and I personally think that things will get difficult as well because, you know, now we have opened the door to digital banking and also with the recognition of virtual assets in our framework. Definitely, this will uh, require a new set of, yeah. of compliance skills and, you know, let's see how it all unfolds in the coming yeah. years. Yeah, no, I'm looking for, well, I shouldn't be saying I'm looking forward to that, but I'm, I'm intrigued to know how it will pan out, especially yeah. as, I mean, you mentioned virtual assets. We've all seen the, the crash of the one yes. of the biggest crypto exchanges. I think that, you know, with every piece of legislation that comes out, we need to obviously think about the regulatory aspect and the AML CFT yes. side of it as well, because it's all well and good saying, you know, we're open for doing ICOs and, and all that um, fintech stuff. And, and, and then we, the last thing we want is to host an exchange that then crashes then because crash. of, from what I understand, it was mainly due to, you know, big failings in the regulatory yeah. compliance, monitoring. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and uh, overall, the whole crypto space is, is quite, it is a high risk area, high, high risk environment. So we have exchanges that are regulated, non-regulated, but even those which are regulated, we see that there is, yeah. there is a high risk of dealing with them. So at any point in time, we can, we can face you know, losses, big losses of, of, yeah. of investment of money. And even in that, in that space, you know, it's all virtual, etc. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think that uh, compliance officers are now you know, enhancing their skills. And we've seen initiatives on the market like the Financial Services Institute, which is now more dedicated towards, you know, giving training to compliance uh, professionals and, you know, I think generally raising awareness mm -hmm. in that field, in, in the whole sector. Yeah. So, yes, I, I think that ongoing training is essential, but also go to the professionals that understand, you know, that space. space. Yeah. Yeah. And, and talking about, I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, crypto is a high risk area. Do you think there are other industries that still remain quite vulnerable in Mauritius in terms of the MLCF? Yeah, in my humble opinion, uh, Joanne, 
I would say that maybe the real estate industry and the gambling sector remain two sectors which for me are still vulnerable to AML CFT. I think it's principally because they are new to the whole framework, mm. especially in terms of the implementation. Yeah. They still have a tick box approach. Yeah. The legislation yeah. is, is there. Is there. Yeah. But you know, now we've seen, we are seeing more on-site visits by the FIU, which is a very good thing, but they still have that, in my view, mm. <laughs> the, the, the tick box approach, approach mm. compared to the other th sectors, you know, where the thinking process, yeah. the implementation and testing are at a very mature stage. Mm. So, yeah. What more can be done to kind of level up the, is it a question of training? Is it a question of ongoing upskilling? What, what would you say are the solutions to? Yes, I think you're right to say that ongoing training, upskilling of skills, etc. But I, I wish to, to also lay emphasis on that again. I think it, it needs to come from the top management. We've seen um, different organisations organizations doing the same thing but uh, doing the same business conducting the same business but at the top there are other people who are committed to not only be compliant but to develop that risk culture to invest in people etc so and other organizations where you know you have that tick box approach or you have a compliance officer there who does all the work just you know just to to get past the 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 fsc visit so i think it's it's more in the mentality that we need to change but nothing will change if if you don't have you know on the other side a receptive board and empowering board as well yeah well i'm still hopeful that we are you know it's a long journey ahead but i'm hopeful yeah. that we we are heading the right direction you, you mentioned earlier about, you know, when you started PL Concerting, that was kind of the beginning of your journey as an entrepreneur. I still think that for Mauritius particularly, I mean, not only for Mauritius, but for Mauritius particularly, it can be quite tough. I think it's easy yeah. to say, I mean, we have people coming up to us all the time, you know, because we're quite present on social media, they think that it's easy. Yeah. But I think it, it can be a very lonely journey. It can be a very challenging journey, especially if you're not, and I know it's a loaded word, but it's especially if you're not privileged. I'm not, and I, I, I think that you're not either. Well, first of all, are you happy to have embarked on that journey? And second of all, what, what challenges do you think that you have faced? <laughs> That's a very good question, Joan. <laughs> I'm still wondering whether it was the right, was the right, right choice. No, I'm, I'm really happy. I'm really happy. I, you know, I had decided in my mind, at least since 2015, but, you know, with the day-to-day, -day, it was course, difficult yeah. to actually Ob position yourself. Exactly, and, yeah. Exactly. yeah, exactly. I think I have the strong support of my husband. That's a, that's a very important thing as well. And I'm happy today because I, I get to uh, implement what I've learned and I get to help others, you know, to at least, you know, upgrade their mm -hmm. level of expertise. Yeah. To, to come to a, to a level where, you know, it's, uh, it's in compliance with, with the framework. So I'm, I'm really happy because I see the difference on the market. I see my inputs vis-a-vis -vis the clients and they are, they are happy with what I do, with what I bring. When you are an entrepreneur, you do all sorts of things, okay? So I don't really, um, I'm not limited to MLCFT, 
but uh, I do all sort of other you know consultancy work as well in the corporate governance sector. What I see is that you keep on learning, you keep on accepting other ventures yeah. until you know where yeah. you want to go. Yeah. Yes, I think that's a that's a very good journey to know yourself as a professional. Yeah. So I'm I'm very happy to have embarked on this journey. So in terms of the challenges, you know, <laughs> we know, yeah. Yes, we know what the challenges are. <laughs> you know, and I think if I can, if I could consolidate all in one, I would say that Mauritius is just getting used mm. to placing trust in women, in Mauritian women professionals on the market. But, you know, some might say it's a mentality issue, but I think that it's more to do with, you know, Mauritius being, still being a very patriarchal, Society. So, yeah. yeah, but I think it is changing because we see a lot of women professionals now coming to the market yeah. as confident and impactful yeah. as ever. Yeah. You are the perfect <laughs> example, Joanne. <laughs> One of the examples. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of, uh, you know, for young women professionals out there. I think it's very important. We've seen a lot happening also on LinkedIn, etc. And it's important to, to leave our our footprint on, on the Mauritian market when we feel that we can bring and we can make an impact and we can bring something you know substantial to, to the market. Have you felt that you know with, with clients that you have dealt with that they value you for your competence, that they don't see you as a woman, they don't see you as I mean I my personal experience has been it it has changed. I mean when yes. I look at Mauritius twenty years ago mm-hmm. when I left to go to, to, to uni, I remember at the time I didn't think that I would come back because yeah. of the as you mentioned mentality, the the kind of the the, the nature, the, the, the cultural um, aspect of it. But I think it has changed. There's, there's probably still a long way to go, but have yes. you have you do you feel that sometimes that they they see you as a woman. Yes, you know, Joanne, uh, we, we get to meet a lot of people and <laughs> different mentalities. Yeah. But uh, yes, the clients with whom I work, they are yeah, very empowering in terms of you know, the work, but treating you as a professional, mm-hmm. irrespective of whether you are a woman or, or, or a man. I've met others uh, who are, you know, I would say reluctant to to trust you all the way. Maybe they have trust in you in in your competence, but at the end, you know, the the dialogue changes <laughs> from what was you know what was agreed in terms maybe of opportunities, etc. So I I tend to think that there is change, but it's it is a you know it's we are slowly getting there, but at the same time. If you meet the right people, if you are in, in the right niche, I would say, then you get to, to be empowered and to, to evolve in the professional you want to be. What advice would you give to someone who's just starting out now and wants to become an entrepreneur and is, is looking to you and, and for, for advice? What, what would you give them in terms of advice? <laughs> I think, you know, first thing I would say, just do it. We tend to overthink, mm-hmm. say, well, will it work? You know, yeah. yeah, we're um, scared. We are yeah. scared. What will, what will they say? Am I competent enough, etc. So I think just need to, to go for it. And if you want to embrace a, a career in compliance, go for trainings, mm-hmm. <laughs> meet the professionals and also be rigid, uh, you know, in, in your approach towards compliance. 
But as an entrepreneur, in any case, you know, if you want to, to meet yourself down the, down the road, if you want to know yourself, know what you're capable of or what, or what, what are your limits, what you're worth, mm-hmm. I think you need, just need to go for it. And we, we spoke about offline before we started about coaching probably being a, a valuable yes. option. Have you derived any value from, from it? I had the, the opportunity to attend some coaching sessions from the Women Leadership Academy, mm-hmm. organized by the MIUD uh, in, you know, in collaboration with the British High Commission. I think what I've derived from those sessions, the most important thing, uh, you know, there are so many, mm-hmm. there are so many benefits, is that I realized that I was not lonely. <laughs> there is a community. Other women professionals, they, they also have the same challenges as me and they have also challenges tra- striking the right balance mm-hmm. between personal and professional. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think the exchanges that we had were very uh, you know, empowering for me. Understanding the market, understanding how we just, you know, I've, I've, I've thought a lot about you during the coaching sessions because oh. we, had, we had our first conversation, yes. you know, yes. talking about... Almost three yeah. years ago, yes. <laughs> before the pandemic. Before, <laughs> yeah. We were talking about how we just need yeah, to go on the market. That resonate, uh, resonated with me and, uh, and, I, and I said to myself, okay, I'm not lonely on that journey. Yeah. There, are, there is a community and we are, we are every day we have, you know, empowering quotes, from oh, yeah from lovely. the coaches okay. etc yeah. so every yeah. morning you wow. open your whatsapp with a good on a good note yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you start off your journey yeah yeah with a positive attitude so i think it's it's it was uh, it's still beneficial for for every one of us women yeah so pascal last question i know that we, we weren't planning to talk about it today but when again when we were talking offline you said that you there's a an emerging area that is of interest to you. Yes. Um, can you just talk to us a little bit about that? I personally think it, it is the future, is where we're, well, it's not the future, it's the present, but <laughs> yeah. the market hasn't completely caught up with that yet. Could you just share with the audience what it is and why do you think it's important? Yeah, so I think you're talking about ESG, environmental, social and governance. Yes, Joanne, I think it all happened during the second lockdown mm-hmm. when there were so many webinars on LinkedIn, etc., about ESG. So I, I attended a, a few of them. And you know that rang a bell because at the time when I was setting up investment funds back in 2008, when I started, I saw ESG in fund documentation, you know, we, without really reviewing that. But you, you knew that, you know, all the DFIs were investing yeah. based on ESG criteria yeah. in There's Africa. Loads, usually loads of annexes yeah, at the back exactly. of the, you know, <laughs> the page document. Yeah. I thought to myself at the time, so, okay, what's the impact today of, of their investment at the time, 10 years ago, nearly? So, in my view, why is ESG important? So, the environmental is, is clear, but social what we also discuss about the risk culture, empowering, you know, employees, etc. But on the G aspect, the governance, we've seen, I start to see that there is a demand for that on the market, for either MCs or other organizations to level up on their corporate governance framework, be it in terms of diversity as well. So I think it's the future, 
Personally, it resonated with me because I finally found that part of humanity in the corporate world, <laughs> you know, yes. and uh, but also because it's just that what we are seeing, you know, all over the world with climate change mm -hmm. impact, what we've seen in terms of, you know, commitment from all the countries for decarbonization, uh, etc. And I think that's why ESG is important for people embarking on that journey. I think it's the ne next step mm. for me personally, you know, a post-compliance. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to have a, an industry, you know, like Luxembourg, for instance, they have embraced that concept. Mm. You know, even in the funds and financial services industry, it is there, there are ratings that are given to, to those uh, types of, of entities in terms of their ESG impact. But ESG is, is, is vast. Huh? It can go from ESG measurement, you need to implement ESG sure. within the organization. Yeah. There are so many levels of yeah. implementation depending yeah. on the size of the organization. So I really I fell in love with that concept because not only it resonated with me, but I, I can feel that I, I can bring something in that industry. So, of course, I would say it's not mature enough in, on the Mauritian market. I would say we haven't embraced ESG as such here. But again, we've also seen that reporting on ESG, maybe you know, management companies have seen that there is a demand for that. Yeah. Reporting on, in, on, on ESG from their investors on what happened in, in, with regards to their investment, maybe in Africa or elsewhere. Beyond that, I think that it's, it's the ne next step for our industry to be able to, to remain robust in terms of empowering people also and having a robust corporate governance structure across, uh, framework across board. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Pascal. Thank, Thank you for you your again. time. Thank you for making the time. I know you probably have a little one who's <laughs> looking for you. <laughs> yes. And I wish you the best of luck in the rest of your journey. I think people like you are inspiring to, to many, 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 many women in, in, in Mauritius. I think we need more. I, I, I would want to say like us, there yeah. need to be more people like you. Yeah. All the best. Yes. I wish you all the best again, John. Thank you Thank for you. inviting me. Pleasure. <laughs>